reflections of home and belonging. My name is Celeste and I run Off The Ball Players, an emerging performing arts collective based in Shoreditch. Backyard is an oral history project about the presence of the Caribbean community in the East End. It was important to me personally and historically. Historically because I think that the presence of the Caribbean community in the East End hasn't really been charted and personally because both sets of my grandparents came to East London from the Caribbean in the 50s and 60s. I said I'm in Jamaica and I wear, I talk, the clothes I wear and the store I go in to buy things. Ruby was born in Jamaica. She's 80 years of age and arrived in Southampton on the Esconia boat in the 60s. And my brother came and picked me up. And then he put on this long thing on me. I didn't know what, I didn't ask him what, what they call it, a coat. And it was long because I'm short and it covered me, but I was still cold. I wanted to go back home because it was cold and thing was different. And my brother said, huh, you want to go back home? It take money to go and it take money to come. So if you want to go back home, you have to go work and pay me my money, and then you find your money to go home. So that was it. So I didn't say anything else. I stick with it. Things were expensive. You couldn't go out and buy it because so much people coming in. So they have salesmen that come to your house, and they said, what do you want? What do you want? I have coats. He had everything, the salesman. And he said, turn around, let me see what size you are. And I, at the time, I was about size 18, because I'm always on the heavy side. He said, turn around. And he turned around, and he measured me and said, oh, size 18, that will fit. And he gave me a black one. And I said, yeah, that's much warmer. And he gave me that. And it's um, a pound a week. Sometimes if you have more than a pound, you give it to him. It was different from now. You see a lot of store out there, stall they call them. And you see a lot of pubs. So pubs was open early and closed late. And lots of people go into the pub. And they go, they say, get me a pint. Everybody go get a pint. And you drink that pint and keep you warm. And then if you go in the pub like in the night, you see a man, him. He don't know nothing about piano, but it was fun to go in the pub because it was like a family thing. You go in the pub, if you have the children with you, you buy fish and chips and put it on the pram and give them their picking and eating. And the man go on the piano and he tum 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 and tea and they singing and knees up Mother Brown, knees up Father Brown and the knees up, knees up, knees up, everybody kicking their foot. And, Oh, and they're drinking. Drink up, love. Drink up. Yeah, love. Have a good time. Yeah, go on, love. Go on. And it was noisy, but good time. Music all over. It was good. Really good. Now you don't see none of that. Everything changed. The East End was the best place to ever live. But now they don't have no socialize. You don't see anybody. Nobody know anyone anymore. And if the people them cook something... And they had something and it was too much. They said, love, I cook a little bit of, they had lamb. I cook a little bit of lamb. It's too much for me and Charlie. Oh, you want it for the kids? Yeah, hey, go on. Take it, love. Take it. So, some spots in it too. Yeah, go along. Have it, love. It's good, good. I just cooked it. Go on, love. It's lovely. You don't see nobody going to dance anymore. I don't know, even the younger people. I don't know what they do for fun. I don't see that go out. They use a lot of clubs. They had the R Nation, and they have a lot of clubs. They had Acne Town Hall, used to have blues dance, and the people used to dance. And then a whole of us used to, one person buy, rent the taxi, and the taxi carry all people on the floor, you know, take you to dance. And then kebab, you buy one kebab, and three, four people have a bite of it.
and we go and we were just loving. But now you don't have that anymore. Socialize is worn out. Cause people move away, people get older, and um, the young people no more coming in. They're not coming in from the Caribbean anymore. Me, I love Tom Jones. The whole house is just standing. Tom Jones, that was my scene. Yeah, I love that, yeah. What a beautiful place I'm there to meet me. He's my mom and papa. I love that. I love that one. I love Tom Jones. And I hear nothing about him these days. Is it America? I don't know. My um, plan when I first came was to be here for five years. But that five years come to 43 years before I went down. I made um, my first trip back 1970. Now, um, the reason for that is I have children, I have running motors, I have expense like everybody else. Yeah? Bob is 80 years old and was born in St. Lucia. He now lives in Stepney. I left St. Lucia on the 6th of November, 1960. Traveled by boat, which people were saying it's banana boat. It was not any banana boat. It was cruise boat. Traveling to, um, first stop was Genoa, right? And then from, um, from that Italy, then travel from Italy to um, to Cali, then take um, the ferry there, come to Dover. From Dover, you travel by train to Victoria. In here, where more um, more people, you find um, good and bad, like I would say. Um, we used to have. Um, Christmas, we used to join and um, go to um, one another's place. We would have um, a little music, a little dance, and um, drink and whatnot. I would say it is um, it is totally different um, now because most of the um, of the people who were think they were um, family with um, their family, but now it's more divided. And then um, you find most of the people who were doing that, some of them have gone back to their country. I'm not talking in St. Lucia, you know, because we used to mix with the um, Dominican, Jamaican, St. Lucia, and whoever black we find close to us. Because I'll tell you something. When I um, came over, I first started work in... Um, North Rumford, living here in Stepney, taking train to Barking, take a bus in Barking to um, Rumford. When you stop in Rumford waiting for a bus, the crowd that would be there, you would be hardly able to get in there. Now, if you were to see a black man, you never see him before because black was so few you would be too glad to wave him as if he's a friend you know because there wasn't that many black around so that is the kind of joy you will find i would not say and there is any other home than where i am my home is in eastern stepney where i am you know so I have no um, no problem there. June was born in Jamaica and came to London as a child. She grew up in the Brick Lane Whitechapel area. Well, the more that I've lived in England, the more that I feel that it's my home, I think I'm as Caribbean as I am British. It's not my East End anymore. I find that when I go there, even though I like going to Brick Lane, because there's sort of nice shops and 
you know, to look around. I think the heart and soul of the East End has been ripped out. So still like wandering around, because I like to reflect on my childhood, but not the same. Whitechapel was where I came to live, and um, I hadn't realised till an, you know, an adult that there was a big dividing line between Whitechapel and Bethnal Green. And Whitechapel was where a lot of the sort of Irish workers there, so they took on more sort of foreigners. I feel now that I do accept not so much that Britishness, but the East Endership, you know, that I'm an East Ender. And I quite like it that I've still got a bit of that accent there, you know, it's mine. Do you know what I mean? I belong, you know, and, and what I like is that if I walk around the East End, even though it's changed completely, there's still some areas where I think, oh God, yeah, you know, I've got history there. I used to play in that park. I was a child and I was really sort of suffering from homesickness but I was taken on by the kids on the road because during that time we played out in the street and uh, a few of the older boys were quite protective towards me and we were allowed a lot of freedom roaming around the street. The best thing about the East End is that how it absorbs so many people from different cultures and then it sort of, I always used to feel that not only did it absorb it, it reflected it, it really was a melting pot of, you know, from, from me, say, the Huguenots, the Jews, you know, Somali seamen, Afro-Caribbean, Bangladeshi. When I was a child, there was a lot of Jewish people in the area and they used to have big tubs of their yogurts and their gherkins and their salmon, which was all alien to me. And then the older I got, you know them, they'd, give you, they'd let you taste it. And it's through them that I acquired that taste of yogurt, you know, uh, smoked salmon and I love a vehicle even even to this day. When I was a kid I always remember Lonnie Donegan singing Does Your Tune Gum Lose Its Flavour on the back post of the night and that just sums it up to me just in my childhood. <laughs> I don't feel Guyanese, but I don't feel English either. I don't like ticking the black British box because to me, you're either British or you're not British. And putting the black in front of it isn't going to help anybody for generations down the line. I think it's quite a racist box to tick. Dawn is 64 and was born in Guyana. She came to Stepney with her mother and brother when she was three leaving behind their father who wanted to stay. I went to school and I was the only black girl in the school for quite a few years. My brother and myself, we were the first black children going to school. We didn't have anybody else to relate to, so you do your best to fit in. In my situation, I became like a social chameleon in my brother's situation, he had to learn to fight. I grew up in Tower Hamlets. I, when I went to school, a lot of the children were of Irish descent, English as well. A lot of the parents were Dockers or, you know, um, just, East End, just East End people. You had people living in the houses and a lot of people quite house proud. The pavements would always be cleaned and scrubbed. They kept the doorsteps polished um, outside so there was a pride of keeping your little area clean and um, even if you lived in a block of flats which there were, there were sort of like Peabody flats and some other flats everybody took it in turn to make sure the stairs were kept clean um, so although there were people were poor there was a level of pride it seems strange now to think that you could walk down a street and every morning someone had scrubbed their front of their house. What happens in the East End, say from the Huguenots or even from before then, every time a new group of people come in, 
they have a hard time. And then the ones that do well move out. The travellers had a hard time. The Irish had a hard time. And I think that's how the East End has been. Those that do well move further out and those that don't do well end up staying put. And there's a resentment for the new ones coming in. The thing which I think is sad now is that because of the way the school system is, in this day and age, one of the worst things is to have religion and school mixed as one. Because when you are in East London, you would have a Catholic school and those children only know children that are maybe of Irish descent or from the Caribbean or from Africa or from Singapore or Goa, wherever. And then five minutes up the road, you'll see a school that's 100% children from Bangladesh. They do not mix. They are two completely different worlds. And I think that doesn't help because there's, a, there's mistrust in both communities. So you have people that are living close to one another, knowing absolutely nothing about one another. I remember wanting to be Catholic because most of the people we lived nearby were Irish and I wanted the white dress. That's the only reason I wanted to be Catholic. And then when I was older, I kind of thought it would be good to be Jewish because they were allowed to go home half day on Fridays. I don't have a sense of belonging as far as the country is concerned. The only thing I have, which I'm quite happy with, I have a sense of self. And I think a sense of self is far more important than a sense of belonging. Baz Ballet grew up in Shoreditch. His mother was Jamaican and his father Irish-Nigerian. I remember my mother allowing me to walk all the way to the end of the street and I know I was under five. And what she did is she watched me from the gate and I walked, I still find this hard to believe because nobody would allow that to happen now. It's the fact that she felt confident enough in the world around her. And someone told me that I never really thought about it before, that she felt confident enough in me to let me walk up the street because I really wanted to do it. I was so chuffed with myself to be able to walk up to the top of the road. Now I've looked at the road, it wasn't that far, right? But for me it was miles. The reason my mother trusted me because she knew there were people on the road <laughs> that, were, that were looking at me. And that is kind of one of the things I miss. But I'm getting it back. I'm knowing more people that I know are looking out for me. It was about the good of us. It's the good of the people around me. And we looked after each other. And now, do you know what? You don't know your neighbours. They're engaged because they're scared of the people that live around them. Whereas, you know, we weren't scared. People would know what was happening in our lives. We would know what was happening in their lives. We would share. That's the thing we don't do. We don't share. We're, we're also insular. That's the difference. And we've been taught that that's the way that we get on. We have to look after ourselves and look after our own. And our own has become very narrow. Whereas when I was growing up, all those people in my street were my own or to them I was their own. The East End has a really generous spirit. I mean it's losing it as it gets more wealthy overall. There is a community feel that you don't feel so much in other parts. I identify myself in many ways depending on where I am. So. I am Caribbean, I'm Irish, I'm a mongrel, I'm African, I'm black, I'm British. You know, I, my identification is in flux because it's in many places at the same time. You know, one of the important things in my identity is my sexuality. So I'm a gay man as well, that shapes the person I am. I'm British, I know I'm not English, but I'm also Caribbean, I'm also Irish, I'm also African. Nigerian, specifically. My sexuality 
is just as important as my race, my culture, my nationality. The diversity makes everything stronger. If you've got lots of things that are different, it makes something stronger. And so that, for me, that's the best thing about living in the East End, the diversity. Catherine is 40 years old and grew up in the East End. Her parents are from Grenada. I found it quite hard um, in the early years because the primary school that I went to, there was only three black people in the whole of the school. And there was another girl, out of the three of us, two were Afro-Caribbean and one was a Somalian boy. And I had a hard time because the children would look at you in terms of your race and I would see everybody as children. The other Afro-Caribbean girl, she was much lighter than me. They would say, oh, she's okay because she's brown, but you are dark-skinned and basically they didn't like that. So I had a very hard time, but not only with the children, but with the teachers. It's only when I went to secondary school that there was more Afro-Caribbean people there and people from Africa as well and I felt more comfortable, I felt more belonged. I didn't have to prove myself. Knowing who I am feeds into my self-esteem, you know, uh, just a sense of belonging, um, all these things are important. The Grenadian culture is, you know, in your face. It's been from <laughs> day one, I, you know, I've just, you know, grown up with the Caribbean culture. Growing up in, in East London, it was a nice place, very family orientated and there were some struggles because at that particular time there was African people there but it wasn't obvious. Only when you go to parties, when you go to church, that's when you would see people but just generally growing up you didn't see loads of people on the streets. So yeah, I had that awareness as I was growing up. I don't. I don't know if they kind of kept to themselves or we weren't in the know where things were happening. But for us, maybe because I've got such a big family and we connect with our family, so it wasn't an issue to really connect with other Afro-Caribbean people in the borough because we had that sense of community. We were connecting with Afro-Caribbean people at church or at family functions or people were coming to our house. It's part of the culture to come to church on Sunday. Whether you really believe in, in, in that or not, it was a sense of, this is a routine. This is what we did. This is a, a ritual that we did every Sunday. It's a, it's a forum where everybody can meet, Afro-Caribbean people can meet, and they can connect with one another. And there's a strong sense of, you know, God-fearing from young. We've been taught, you know, you know, respect God and and so people got dressed up in their best or you know they went nightclubbing the night before so they feel okay how I balance it off is I go to church and you know whether you turned up in your you know your shorts and your whatever <laughs> it's fine as long as you made it so you can tell your auntie or your grandmother when you reached home yeah I went to church this morning. My relationship with the East End now is I live there, I work in East London, my children go to school in East London, it's where I exist, it's, it's my life really. When you're washing the dishes up in the house, music is on, soakers playing, it's a, it's a huge part of sort of our existence. When we meet up with other Afro-Caribbean, there, there might be always some background music on, just for the, for the sake of it, because it's all part of the culture. The, the soca, the songs, it's a language that Afro-Caribbean people understand.
The interesting thing about the Afro-Caribbean community, when you look at our parents and our grandparents, they came here with one intention, to work and to go back home. And that was how they spoke. I'm going home. And you're like, but you live down the road. No, no, no. Home to them was the Caribbean. And they came to this island and said, right, we're going to work. We're going to work maybe two years, three years, and then we're going to go home. They ended up spending five, ten years and then having their children. Their children, people like me, second, third generation now, we don't actually feel that sense of going home because home is here. This is all that we've known. And so what tends to happen is that when those great grandparents and grandparents and parents start actually after 10, 15, 20 years now being at the position in their life where they can actually afford to go home they then think well that was my always my intention to do so they go but then then you're, you, there's a massive disconnect in terms of the stories and stuff that they now have is now on another island <laughs> back in the Caribbean and so the the stories which are so important I feel to the to the Afro-Caribbean community because this is the way that we have always progressed. We've always managed to tell the story. We're great storytellers. And I think that those stories, they're on other islands that we don't hear them. And all of that doesn't actually assist in us keeping our culture and our community together. Clive is Guyanese and is in his 40s. Guyana is the only English-speaking part of South America but share political and cultural affinity with the Caribbean. I would identify myself as Guyanese, with a very strong British accent. <laughs> I think the East End of London is completely different from any other part of London. I honestly feel it's the best part of London. I think that the East End has more vibrancy, more integration of culture. We have probably a lot more to offer the rest of London than London has to offer to us, just in the sense of how we've managed to integrate and create a very lively, bubbly part of London. And it just has so much, so much character. Growing up as a child in North London and moving to the East End of London, late teens, I felt more sense of being a Londoner. Felt more comfortable being in the East End because I see aspects of my own culture, my Afro-Caribbean culture, as well as things which we've adopted, which are generally East End stuff, like just pie and mash and stuff like that, which is all part of what East Enders seem to, seem to do. I think the East End, uh, when, when I moved here, was more, I, well, I felt more community. You know, it's that old African saying, it takes a whole village to bring up a child. And I think that that is so true in the sense of that when the support system that we need as individuals, as families, comes from our extended family. And if, if your extended family are moving away because they can't afford to live in East London or in Tower Hamlets, then you, you've created a problem where we become more and more isolated and less community focused. And that's what seems to be happening within the East End of London. And so that is a bit of a travesty. If we're going to keep the authenticity of our city, we need to try and keep the East End together. And we need to have pockets just where people are able to still live here for generations and generations and keep telling the stories. My name's Walker. I'm 42 years old. Yeah, I'm an East End dog. About the music. The East End, to me, if you mention the word East End, at first, I don't see it as being, I think of the craze, Cray Twins, all the stuff that's been in the media on TV. And within that, there's not that many black people, only when you get to things like EastEnders. There's a sprinkling of black people in the beginning of EastEnders, but I didn't feel they represented me as a black person living in East London. Then also East, East End means to me, jelly deals, cockles. Where I lived in Poplar, it was Wade's place and it was called The Yard and the reason it's called The Yard is because there was all these buildings and you weren't to leave The Yard so you had it's almost like an invisible boundary and it's very nice to have a community of black people and then of Irish, Scottish, we had a couple of Eastern European people, I think there's Polish or Russian, Somalians and I didn't even know what a Somalian was, he was just my brethren. Growing up here was nice, it, in the yard especially because everyone looked out for everyone's kids. And I don't think there was a better place for me to grow up in East London. The youth club that I had, 
opened our eyes. They had black and white youth workers. They were more about us as kids and showing us there's more to the world than just, you know, race. And you can be something in this world, but you just have to get out of the mentality of being here. I didn't have a peer group of drug dealers or a gang. My gang was the people that lived in the community that were doing massive things. So that in turn got me to go clubbing at a young age, got me to want to be the best, one of the best dancers, wanted me to challenge people. And I went, to, my thing when I was a kid, I went to put East End on the map, I went to put Poplar on the map. There was a crew, but it wasn't a gang. It wasn't going out and fighting other estates. Like there was a time on the island where I was walking home late, down Marsh Wall. So I'm walking down this road on my own and a car of white guys drive past me and they start shouting at the N-word and all this stuff. And I said, yeah, your mum loves the ends. That's what your mum, your mum loves it. And they, they stopped their car. So I'm like, okay, I'm on my own. I don't need this to be another Stephen Lawrence scenario. So I've got to be on my toes. I'm going to be brave enough and walk past them, but I know where I live, so I've got to run. They kind of got out of their car. And unbeknown to me, there was a, there was a white guy in a Porsche and he pulled up right next to me, driving really slow. And he goes, I just saw what happened. So I'm like, mm, okay, you saw what happened then. And he goes, I'm going that way. If you're going that way, obviously I've seen the car stop. I'm not a fighter, so I, I can't get out and like, you know, get all fisticuffs with you. But he goes, I'll give you a lift and we'll go past them. We can say what you want and we'll drive on. So I said, right, is this guy some kind of paedophile gay guy? Or is he just generally a nice guy? So I said, in that split second, I had to make the decision. I could just run past his racist guys, but then I thought, nah, yeah, I think he's decent. So I jump in this guy's car, he's got a Porsche career, I'll never forget it. And he pulls out, he speeds up and then he slows down right by the car. He puts his window down, we start exchanging words and expletives, he joins in, he just put his foot down, wheel spun and disappeared. They couldn't even catch up with us because he had, he had a Porsche. He flew down the bottom road, I thought he was gonna die handbraked the little mini roundabout and he just dropped me off by the bus stop. He goes, this way you live? I said, yep. He goes, I don't want these mugs to catch up with me. So obviously, I won't go. So I'm like, thank you very much for your help. He goes, no, man, I don't, I don't like that shit. I closed the door, said, see you later. He was gone. And I said, that, to me, is what East End is about. It's about good people. It's about, no matter what your creed and colour is, we've all been at the bottom of the pile, but you get on with it. And that's what I believe the East End actually is. I used to go to a school named George Green, which is on the island. And every day after school, we'd all go to Limas and meet up. All black people, all gathered, you know what I mean, that Limas. Yeah. And to me, they were all the same as me. Do you know what I mean? We all listened to the same music. We all went to the same parties. David is 40 and grew up on the Isle of Dogs. Both his parents are Jamaican. I don't know. I think the kids growing up now are a bit more weird. I think, like, the young black kids growing up now, they're, they're into their violence. You know, it's all about money, getting things fast. When I was growing up, it was all about looking nice, meeting women, you know, and smoking a spliff, and, you know, everything was just jiggy then, you know. From about... I'll say from about seven to about 14. <laughs> I didn't do nothing because I weren't allowed that. Because <laughs> my mum used to say, I used to say to my mum, when can I get fresh air? You get fresh air when you're at school. There weren't many black kids about. And I remember my mum telling me when I was young, a guy, a young black guy, he got thrown over the blue bridge tied to his BMX. Because that's why my mum said, you ain't going nowhere. You ain't going nowhere. So I only started hanging out on street corners and stuff like that when I was like 14. When I started meeting people from the other side of the island. You know, we'd have parties in the house, you know, neighbours would hate it. You know, reggae music blaring out till five o'clock in the morning. But what can, you, <laughs> what can you do, you know? They'd come round to, you know, if my mum had a birthday or if it was a christening, you know, we'd have a little party where my mum buy, buy, um, buy and cook food. 
Do you know what I mean? We all listened to the same music. We all went to the same parties. You know, there was a place stand um, near Boat Driver. It was called Green Lights. Yeah, we always used to go there, you know, which was good. It was a, a community centre, but they used to have raves in there. And there was one in Bethnal Green as well, Oxford Ass, which was good as well. Always used to go to them places there when they had like, parties and raves there. All them places are closed now, so I don't know. I think young people are just meeting up in street corners or tower blocks or whatever, doing their thing, you know. My little brother can't go to Bo because he's from the island. He can't go to Bo. You know how much people are in Bo? And all over the place. And we all meet up and we're still, you know, we're still close. But now it's the younger generation, they're different. They're different. How can you tell where you're from, blood? You can't come here. It's bullshit. I think it's, it's made an impact on, on the young boy's life. I reckon so, yeah. They ain't got nowhere to chill out, to socialise, you know. They haven't really got anywhere to, you know. Feel safe. If I took the East End out of me, oh, I don't think I'd be the person I am. It's just all the experience, and, uh, everything. What's made me the person I am. Don't get me wrong, man. I'm still a Jamaican, but boy. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. The only person that told me I'm a Jamaican is the old lady, but boy, um... Back in the days, it was, um, you know, when the jungle music just come out, because obviously I was into that, because obviously that's music's influenced by black people, you know. And there was a, there was a tune, We Are E. That, that reminded me of when. Yeah, we are. Yeah. That's where the that's where the music originated from. That's where it originated from, isn't it? Hackney, Bow, round there. That's where the music originated from. See, well, I think jungle. This is my perspective. I think jungle came from house music. You know, they started using bits of the ragga. Then you had um, MCs chatting ragga lyrics over the mic and that made the music even sound better because if you remember they, they, they used to sample some reggae tunes as well just speed it up a bit so yeah I think it's a bit of both white and black definitely definitely white and black definitely jungle jungle music Oh, we used to say back in the day acid because the the music would be like um, just different type of beats mixed up together and then people would take their acid drugs or whatever you call it and um, jump up and scream up and then just dance to their music um, so that's what it represents for me East London If I had to say to somebody what my background, you know, is, Tahamnas is a big part of that because it's it's my life. I've been here all my life. This is a very big part of me. I love Tahamnas. Tahamnas is me. Katrina was in her thirties and grew up in Poplar. Her parents came from the lesser-known island called Beckway. I'm into culture, I'm, I'm into my roots, I'm into the history of, say, where my parents lived, you know. Everything that goes on there, you know, just blows my mind. It's so interesting. Because if, 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 for example, I'm going to talk about myself, culture always comes into it, you know. If I'm talking about myself and I might say, I love a certain meal, it would stem back to my culture. I wouldn't say, for example, like fish, fish and chips. It would either be rice and peas and chicken or something like that. So it's always coming back to my culture. Because I love my background. You know, I enjoy going to see different parts of the Caribbean. I enjoy eating the food. I enjoy drinking the rum, you know what I mean? I just enjoy every part of the Caribbean. I love it. Growing up, I don't think I really thought really about about Tahamnas, you know, as such. 
I mean, I, I went to school. I enjoy going to school, um, playing with my friends in the yard. You can't really do that these days because um, you leave your child outside, you might worry about them getting kidnapped or something. Whereas back in them days, now you could, you, know, you could go out, run free. Your parents ain't really stressing about who's gonna run off with you or anything like that because there wasn't really so much of that going on then. With the older generation, I remember there used to be a pub in the Navy and Chris Street. It's closed now. It's no longer there. It's called the Callahan Pub. You know, my father and a lot of his friends that were gathered there every Friday evening, they might go and place a bet first and then they'll go to the pub, have their drink. Guarantee if I'm looking for my dad, I know where to go because he's there <laughs> having a drink. And yeah, that was their culture gathering place, you know. I remember on a Saturday, we used to go to a place that's called Saturday School. The majority of the children were black. Ethnic origin would be from the Caribbean. I can't remember even one single, you know, white British person in the Saturday School. And it was just basically our meeting point, education-wise, we meet up and we, you know, we learn, and then we might have breaks and stuff where we socialise with other kids. I still would feel weird if I went to a different area, because it's like my safety net, my blanket. I feel comfortable. I feel safe. I could go out and think to myself, you know, nothing's going to happen because I grew up around here. I know loads of people, you know. So, yeah, East End is a big. A big part of me. Tell is a big, very big part of me. Maria's parents came to London from Grenada. She was brought up in Bethnal Green. Well, I would see myself as Caribbean. There is a hint of dual nationality in there because I was born here. I do have a lot of British cultures and values also. However, I identify myself more as a Caribbean. I think when it comes to identifying yourself, I think your culture, that's what it boils down to. There's many people of different colours and we all come from different places. And it's nice to know that this black lady is from Jamaica this black man is from Trinidad and relating to them by colour when we have a conversation we all come from different places and it's nice to know that we are all around and we're not just from one place we are from other places we learn from each other. Growing up in Tower Hamlets as a black girl there's not many black people around there is a few but there's not really much for us to do on a whole it's nice to mix with different cultures and get to know other people. I 100% like that and enjoy that. But it would also have been nice for me to sort of know other people also. The majority of people who I knew and hung around with was all my mum's friends, kids, and that's how we all sort of grew up together, which was quite nice because in a way we was like a close kind of family. I remember when we moved into our new house, we were the only blacks to move into that house on that road. There were brand new builds. This was about 25 years ago. And the rest of our neighbours who got the houses were Bangladeshi. So they were all Bangladeshi, we were the only blacks. And I remember, how old was I? I must have been about four or five. We didn't have gates on our door. And because this new build went up and we were the only ones that were there, and we were all, of, we were all ethnic minorities, we used to get a lot of abuse. People used to kick in our doors. People weren't happy at all with the fact that these new builds went up and we got these houses. And like I said, there wasn't any um, white English people living there in those houses. They were very upset with that. I do remember that. I do recall that. Um, and as a result, they had to put up iron gates in front of our door. That was the worst of what I experienced. And that sort of carried on for a couple of years. Even the owners of the pub that was next door to us, they weren't impressed at all that people of colour were living on this road. You could sort of see that it's, it's hard for me to say I am British when this is what was happening. How could I be the same as these people who were doing this? The certain individuals who used to live in the area, a lot of people have moved out, gone, um, new people have come in, 
new shops have been developed. There's a lot more culture going on. In a way, it's pushing us out. And even though we're developing, we're not reaping the benefits of that development because, in a sense, we can't. We can't afford to. It gives people an inspiration and aspiration to better themselves. But then also there are the ones who look at it and say, do you know what, there's too much change here and I can't quite cope. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel that this is my community anymore. It's changed too much. You have to fit in rather than that development fitting around you. But then also the nice thing about this area is that I see now a lot of people mixing with each other. I see a group of young boys and girls maybe going out and they're all of different colours and they're all friends. So there's so many changes that have gone on, I can go on for <laughs> donkey's years. Jason is 18, his mother is from Beckway and his father is Jamaican-Irish. He was brought up and still lives on the Isle of Dogs. If I said to someone who doesn't live in Tower Hamlets or by the River Thames that I can get a boat to work, they would probably think I'm, I'm crazy or it's just weird because when you think of boat, you don't think of it, it being public transport. Whereas living in Tower Hamlets, you can, it's counted as just normal. Tower Hamlets mostly has given me friendship as in the sense that the people growing up here or around this area, they've been raised mostly like me, where they tend to get raised to care for other people. So I've made lots of, lots of friends very quickly in the area because we have similar interests, similar places to go. Uh, Tower Hamlets is more like an area where everyone is, everyone knows each other, everyone's helping each other out but to a certain extent so there would be people who just don't like you because you're from this area what I just didn't understand my whole life I still don't understand it now the area has changed in general with everything public transport just the, the events but I don't think it's changed in a bad way I think it's changed in a good way as in there's there's more people around here, they're doing more for the area in terms of public transport. And I think Tower Hamlets, if it continues to, to grow, like how it's doing now and change, even when I'm not here, it will be a better area. It, it's not going downhill in a worse sense, it's going up, as in change is a good thing for the area. When I was growing up, there'd be a whole, a whole bunch of different artists what were trying to make it like um, big in the music industry. But some of them haven't made it that far, um, but their music was still good in my sense. And like people live in East End, but obviously people who don't live in East End or live in like Tower Hamlets Borough, they don't listen to this kind of music, so they would never hear about it. And people who don't come from East London, uh, most people, unless they're, they're young and they listen to grime music, they will never realise what it actually is. From someone else's like uh, perspective, they would probably think grime music isn't good at all because it is just talking about people's lives, like, like lifestyle, what ain't good, people's struggles. But if you come from like East End, then you you'd probably listen to grime music. To me, all Caribbean music is, is good. I just like how, like, reggae and, like, um, bashment, the style of music and how they sing, how they dance to it. it it's like, um, it makes it makes it fun and makes music, like, it makes music enjoyable. Sick man, kicking like a kickstand. Come with that stick, that's kicking like it man. Holler man, hit man. Holler man, quick fan. You holler them, gal one. Holler man's wristbands. Holler got them sinking. Holler got the quicksand. Very 
interested in looking at unheard narratives. So often with unheard narratives, they can be from cultures who have been disenfranchised or been oppressed. And if you look at some of those cultures who have those things in common, often food is something that has been a constant. For example, if you look at some Caribbean islands, historically, their language has been taken away, or their music has been taken away, or their dance has been taken away. Certain rituals have been taken away, but people always have to eat. Doesn't matter what happens, food is a constant that even if someone changes what you eat, you still have to eat. So that's the reason why I use food as a measure of culture, not just in this project, but in all projects that I do. Often people talk about cultural notions or rituals as specific to England or specific to Jamaica or specific to France. When you look at something like food that's a constant, I find there's so many parallels with food, more than the differences. And often what on the surface seems as an East End dish or a Jamaican dish often is a synthesis of so many different things. Thank you, dear. Yes, dear. Yes, Two pies and mash. Oh, it's you, is it? They had pie and mash and fish and chips. Oh, the best fish and chips you have. And there are a lot of shops of it. And in the night, you could buy you used to buy a pound worth and sixpence worth for the kids them. But the pie and mash was the best. They would show you how to make it. The ladies them would show you how to make it. They had one jelly eel. Oh, jelly eel. Oh, when, when I was pregnant, if my husband don't bring jelly eel, he better don't come in. When I was a kid growing up, every Sunday, a man used to come around going, jelly eels, cobbles, at like 8, 9 o'clock in the morning. And toffee apples. I liked it at first when I was a kid, but when I started getting raving and coming at five, six o'clock in the morning, this guy came around selling jelly dilled and cockles. Waking out of my bed and the toffee apples. I bought some toffee apples. They're amazing, but then you realise you can't eat these because they're not good for your teeth. I used to go to Brick Lane. There was a fish and chips shop there, and my mum forbade me to eat fish and chips because it was wrapped up in newspaper. She'd never seen anything so <laughs> nasty. But obviously, you're a kid and you you tried it, and it, and I loved. And the vinegar, you know, would seep into us. Pie mash, fish and chips. Fish and chips Friday, it's got to happen. You know, it's just normal. There's nothing else you can really expect. And there's certain places in the East End which are just golden. And I, and I would take anybody from my culture to places within the East End so that they can experience a proper East End, a proper pie and mash, a proper fish and chips. I do like my fish and chips. Especially from the local chip shop. Cotton butter. It just tastes good. I just take it out of the paper. That it comes in. Put it on the plate and eat it. Just a bit of ketchup. Maybe a bit of mayonnaise. Good to go. I um I never like the chips in the um in the shop. Fish and chips is all right once in a while. I mean you can't eat it every day, man. It's like once in a while, I do fancy it. I swear to you, I do fancy it. Especially like you know, you know, you got you got a place in um, Vicky Park. Yeah, you got a place where you go there, you pick your fish. All right, it's dead, but you pick your fish. You watch them batter it, you know, fresh chips, homemade chips, lovely. But that's once in a while. But it has changed because of the different cultures that have come in so curry chips whereas it, it was a, it was like fish and chips was a sort of the east end kind of savaloy chips that sort of thing but because of another culture it's influenced that so people will have curry chips so that's quite famous i've been to many far places but the east end the the chicken shops here are like they're enjoyable they're nice and also they're very cheap. Every street in East London has a perfect fried chicken. But now I think kebabs are um, the number one East End dish, to be fair. I actually do enjoy kebabs. What represents the East End to me, 
and what represents me and the East End are different. So what represents the East End to me is Pineals. Don't like Pineals. What represents me in the East End is rice and peas. <laughs> Love rice and peas. <laughs> Do you know what? I can eat rice and peas on their own and be quite happy. We talk about food, we get excited about it. <laughs> so it's sort of like, I actually get excited about the fact that I'm going to eat some plant I'm going to eat some fried fish. It's just really strange. part of my culture. When we come together, we eat. And I don't know why that is, but it, it has always been. Before I had been, it has always been there. Um, and it's very much a part of our culture. It's every every Sunday we have literally soul food. You'll cook things slightly differently, but more or less it's all on the same level. We all cook with the same attitude when we're cooking in my house, particularly on a Sunday when everybody comes over for food. Music's playing, everybody's talking, we're dancing. It's not just about the cooking, it's about the whole atmosphere that goes on whilst the cooking is going on. People try and steal food from the pot because they can't wait <laughs> until dinner time. They can't wait for the rice to boil. So they're running to grab a bit of chicken because it smells so good or somebody walking through the door and just smiling and having a nice vibe about them. You know, jackfish and um, breadfruit and planting, yam, dashing, rice and peas, chicken. There's, oh, there's so much cuisine that I couldn't even begin to, to start. That's just that's just a drop in the ocean of, of the um, food that we eat in the Caribbean. To be honest, English food is bland. You know, some people might say street talk dry. When I go to work, I used to carry some. And, oh, this, what what's that? It smells good. Oh, give me some love. Let me try it, love. And you give them pizza, chicken leg and stuff. Oh, God, can you cook some for me tomorrow? I say, I'll try. And you bring it for them and fry dumpling. Oh, they love that. They love the fried dumpling. They say, oh, yeah, love, yeah, love. Oh, can you make me some? I say, give you some money and make some for me. I say, no, you don't have to give me no money. I'll make it some for you. So I bring them fried dumpling. Oh, they love that. Oh. On a Sunday, if we're not eating what traditionally called soul food, having roast with the family is just as great. And that's and that's the wonderful thing about our, our culture, it's integrated. So the roast is just as much as integrated as a rice and peas. <laughs> and if it happens on a Sunday, great. That roast dinner has now become rice and peas with the roast chicken and the potatoes. So we kind of merged our two cultures together. Apple crumble. It's the first dish I was taught when I was at secondary school, and uh, it was just—it's just—and it's still as yummy as when I first tasted it. It's a family tradition now. We all have apple crumble. It um, it take me a while to adopt with the potato. <laughs> it took me a while. Backyard Reflections of Home and Belonging in the East End is a project commissioned by Nomad, off-the-wall players and cultivators. Made by Celeste, supported by Tower Hamlets and Bancroft Road Local History Library and Archive. The full Backyard Archive can be accessed at backyardproject.org. <laughs>